Good morning. This is the Clark County Board of Equalization hearing for February 14, 2023. County Clerk has informed us that this meeting has been posted and properly noticed. At this time, can we please call the roll? Terry Farr. Present. Luca Damo. Here. Tammy Campa. Tio DeFederico. Present. Heidi Meidenbauer. Present. Thank you. I motion to adopt the agenda. I so move. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Uh, before we start, microphone is open for any public comment. Seeing absolutely no one, I will close the microphone. At this time, we need to swear in the petitioners, anyone who intends to testify on behalf of the petitioners and members of the assessor's office. Please stand and face the county clerk to be sworn in. Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you are about to give during the course of this hearing is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Thank you. Now we have a statement from the district attorney's office on what the Board of Equalization is allowed and not allowed to do. The County Board of Equalization may determine the value of any property the county assessor assesses and may change and correct any valuation found to be incorrect to make it conform to the taxable value of the property. Any taxpayer who claims overvaluation of its real or secured personal property by reason of undervaluation or non-assessment of another taxpayer's property within any county of the state may appeal to the County Board of Equalization in the county where the property is located concerning the assessed value and present evidence. If the County Board of Equalization finds merit in the complaint, it shall increase the value of the property complained of to conform to its taxable value. A taxpayer who believes that his or her property was assessed at a higher value than another property, identical in use and comparable in location, may appeal the assessment to the County Board of Equalization. If the board finds that an inequity exists in the assessment of the value of the land or improvements or both, the board may add to or deduct from the value of the appellant's land or improvements or both, or to the property to which it is compared to equalize the assessment. A taxpayer who believes that the full cash value of his or her property is less than its taxable value computed for the current assessment year may appeal to the County Board of Equalization. If the board agrees, it may correct the land value or fix a percentage of obsolescence to be deducted from the taxable value of improvements or both to equalize the taxable and full cash value. A public officer cannot act on a matter that would reasonably be affected by the public officer's commitment in a private capacity without disclosing information in public to the chair and other members of this body. In addition, a public officer shall not vote upon or advocate the passage or failure of a matter with respect to which the independence of judgment of a reasonable person in the public officer's situation would be materially affected by the officer's acceptance of a gift or loan, the officer's significant pecuniary interest, or the officer's commitment in a private capacity to the interest of another person. Thank you. Uh, agenda item six, we have uh, discussion notices of appearance, Ms. Wagner. Yes, if we, if you go to page one, 1137, and actually I'm going to be reading from 1147. Um, the first case is case 1233, and it's on page two of your agenda. I'm going to try to do my best to, um, make this as concise as possible today. Um, we have three untimely filings that we're gonna go through first. Um, I just wanna reference NRS 361.340, and on page 1147, I've highlighted the section of relevance, and it says every appeal to the County Board of Equalization must be filed no later, later than January 15th. If January 15th falls on a Saturday, Sunday, or legal holiday, the appeal may be filed on the next business day. Um, this year, the 15th did fall on a Sunday. Um, the 16th, which was a Monday, was a holiday. And so the deadline for filing this year was January 17th. And so the three cases what we're going to review, beginning with um, case 1233, um, are untimely filings. So if you would turn back to page 1137. And um, you'll see on 1138, we have the appeal form um, signed by a Salmaz Rashidi. 
And there's an email correspondence that went back and forth between uh, she and I. Um, if you look on page 1143, and it will, it extends from 1143 down to 1145, so we're going to kind of have to work backwards because the way that the email chain works, we're going to work back from, from the email chain. But she sent her appeal form back, and you can see that on a Monday, January 9th, 2023, um, she had requested an appeal form, and she was sent an appeal form on that day, and we did send it to her. She requested it by email. This is the email that goes with the appeal form when we send it. It's very clearly stated on this that the deadline is January 17th for this year, and then there was this correspondence that went back and forth um, from her to me, um, and you can see on January 30th, we received... Um, her appeal form by email back. And so I responded to her and let her know that she was past the deadline to file the appeal. Um, and then there's some other correspondence between her and myself and just explaining to her, you know, how the deadlines work. And you can read through that if you choose to, but the bottom line is she did not file in a timely fashion. Um, she had, she's claimed that her NOV card came late, um, but not receiving your NOV card does not negate the deadline for filing an appeal. Um, we have that information available on our website. We published it in the newspaper. Um, it was on the email that she received when she requested the appeal form. We send instructions out with the appeal form. It's on the instructions for the appeal form. So we've done everything we can to disclose the deadline. And so based on this, we're asking that you do not take jurisdiction. <coughs> Based on the information provided in testimony contained here in a motion that we deny jurisdiction on case 1233. You know what, I, I pardon me, Mr. Uh, Chairman Farr, I was actually, I did call case 1233, but I was giving you the information on case 469. So can we take that back and redo a motion on 469? I revoke that motion for case 469, a, a motion that we Based on the information provided and testimony contained herein that we deny jurisdiction over case 469. Please cast your votes. That motion passes. The next case is case 1233. I par pardon me for getting those out of order. Um, you can find the appeal form on page 4580. And you can see it was signed by Paul Jocklick. Um, and following that, page 4583. You can see the email that came with the um, attachment for the appeal form. It was sent to us and is an image file. You can see the attachments are showing um, the image uh, JPEG. And we received that on January 24th, 2023. We did follow that up with an e uh, email and letter letting them know that they had an untimely filing. And um, based on this information, we're asking that you do not take jurisdiction, being that it was past the January 17th deadline. Based on the information provided in testimony contained herein, I motion that we deny jurisdiction on case 1233. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. The next case is case 1120. It can be found, um, the appeal form can be found on page 4481. Um, signed by uh, Lindsay Jacobs. And then following that, you will see some correspondence um, from myself to her. Um, she told us when she sent the appeal form in, um, which we received, you can see on page 4484, she says, please see attached the hard copy, um, was mailed yesterday. So she did send in her appeal form. Unfortunately, it was on January 18th. It was a day late. Um, she told me that she mailed it. Um, we never received it by mail, and I did send her this letter letting her know that, you know, we would watch for it, and if we did receive it by mail and we had it and it was stamped 
um, with a postmark that said it was had been mailed on the 17th, we would accept it. And so I, we just continued to look for it. I did end up reaching out to her again and tell her, unfortunately, we just we didn't receive it. And so based on this, it's an untimely filing and we are requesting that you deny jurisdiction. Based on the information provided in the testimony contained herein, I motion that we deny jurisdiction on case 1120. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Okay, the next case is 126. You will find the appeal form on page 149. And the next two, uh, 126 and 154, are similar. Um, the owner of the property is Joe Xuan Hung, I, Hung, I believe. Um, on the next page, 150, you will see that we received the appeal form back and there was no signature on it whatsoever. So it does require that you have to actually sign the appeal form when you send it in. We did reach out to them. Um, we sent a letter on the 17th, even though that was the deadline, we did attempt to try to reach out to them because of the timeliness of the filing. Um, there's an email and then the letter, in the letter it says this is the second notice. We had actually sent one before this, letting them know that the appeal form was missing the owner's signature and to please fill it out and send it back to us. Um, but we never received it. We never, we've tried to reach out by phone. We've never got any contact information. Um, we never were able to reach out to this person at all. They never contacted us back. So we reached out by email, we reached out by phone. They never responded. And so based on this, we're asking you to not accept jurisdiction. Based on the information provided in testimony contained herein, I motion that we deny jurisdiction over case 126. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Case 154 is the same situation. You will find that appeal form on page 169. Um, the second page of it is on 170. You will see again, um, this time, not even anything handwritten um, or anything uh, on the form. Uh, so no, no signature, just an appeal form. Again, we sent the same notice to them on the 17th uh, with a follow-up letter, um, letting them know that we needed them to sign um, the appeal form. We never uh, had any response from the owner of record. And so as a result, we're asking you to deny jurisdiction. Based on the information provided and testimony contained herein, I motion we deny jurisdiction over case 154. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Okay, the next case is case 606. Uh, this one's a little bit different, um, and I want to go over the statutes with you briefly. Okay, on page 1275, um, this is a statute NRS 361.362. It talks about appealing on behalf of an owner. So in the instance of the next few cases, um, we have an agent that had filed an appeal. Um, number two on there that's highlighted, it says if a person files the appeal in a timely manner without the written authorization required by subsection one, the person may provide that written authorization within 48 hours after the last day allowed for filing the appeal. Again, the deadline for filing the appeal was the 17th this year, so the deadline for filing the authorization was the 19th. Um, in this instance, we did receive a letter of authorization with the appeal, or it actually came a, uh, slightly after the appeal time. There's actually a couple different authorizations in there. Um, so as a result of that, when, a, when a, a, a letter of authorization is filed timely, we need to still verify that it's been, it's a proper authorization. It's been given to them by the owner. And so that's where section three comes into play. And it says if there is an objection to a written authorization, provided pursuant to subsection one, written notice specifying the grounds for the objection must be given to the person filing the appeal by the assessor. And we must provide it by either certified mail or if the person filing the appeal has provided his or her electronic mail address on the form on which the appeal was filed, then we can respond by email to them. Um, what's important to note is number four that says if the person filing the appeal submits the documentation necessary to cure the objection, described in subsection three, within five business days after the receipt of the notice, the appeal must be deemed to be filed in a timely manner. So what does that mean? 
in the case of a letter of authorization, if they file the letter of authorization on time, but we have an objection to it, we're not sure who actually signed it, we're trying to verify who actually signed that letter of authorization, we are required to send them an, an objection letter that says this is the problem, there's a problem with it, we need you to contact our office so we can resolve that issue, and they have five uh, business days to do that. And so I'm gonna go through the information in here to show that they did file a letter of authorization, but to show you that we um, did not have any kind of clarification as to who is signing these appeal forms and how it related to the owner of record and how we did reach out and contact them, but we received no response. And so in based on that, I am gonna re recommend, our office is recommending that you do not take jurisdiction, but I wanna go through the details of the record with you. So I won't restate all of that for the next three. I just wanted to put it on the record and we'll incorporate that testimony into the, the following cases. So for this particular case, if we go back up to page 1251 and we t go to 1252, you will see that the, first of all, 1251, that the owner of record is Lex Las Vegas LP. And you're gonna see there's an SD Clem that is the name of the petitioner. The appeal was not signed by the owner. If you can see that on page 1252, it was signed by Austin Glidewell, um, who is an agent with Pivotal Tax Solutions. And then following that, we did receive a letter of authorization for Lex Las Vegas LP and Demeter Investments LLC, again with SD Clem, property manager. So here they're telling us that S. Steve Clem is the owner's property manager. And if we scroll down, you'll see again that Austin Glidewell and Wayne Tannenbaum are the agents on this agent of authorization. And then we see that Steve Clem has signed it as the owner's agent. So, and then we're gonna go to the next one. Um, the next, they sent in a second one. We did send them a letter and we'll go through the letter here in a second, but they did send a second letter of authorization in. Again, this one was timely. Reese Real Estate Investment, and again, SD Clem is property manager. Um, Richard N. Reese as the manager. And again, Austin Glywell and Wayne Tannenbaum with Pivotal Tax Solutions um, and Steve Clem signing that one. And there's no parcels identified. Um, there's just this owner. There's nothing else identified. Um, we found that there was no connection between uh, Steve Clem and the owner of record beyond he, him potentially being a property manager. So what, it, what do the statutes require? Well, when it's a property manager, that they can file on behalf of an owner, but they have to provide a property management agreement stating that they have the authority to file on the behalf of the owner. And so we reached out to them, and on page 1257, you will see there's the email um, with the attachments that we sent, and then the letter um, that you'll see. And on the letter, it states the agent authorization submitted um, does not include sufficient information establishing the authority of the signatory to sign the petition on behalf of the owner or the signature provided. And in the other section, we said we need a management agreement showing SD Clem as the property manager. And they did attach, they did, so that you can see that the email here came back to us on the 30th um, where they updated the uh, agent authorization. Um, so to further state, when we're running an objection, we're looking at the one that was filed timely. When, we're, when we have an objection, that doesn't mean the agent can go out and get a whole new authorization now that we're after the deadline. <laughs> but that's what they did. They went out and got another authorization. And you can see the next one here uh, on page 1260, Lex Las Vegas, Demeter Investments, um, SD Clem, property manager. And you can see that, again, now it's signed by, um, we've got a different, it, uh, Austin Glidewell and Chaz Standaga um, with Pivotal Tax, and we have now a Brian May, the CFO, that's signing. Now, we weren't able to clarify if Brian May was the CFO, but it, it, it's irrelevant at this point because it's been filed on January 30th, which is past the deadline. And then this one does have two attachments. I mean, sorry, it has a Schedule A showing the two different parcels associated with this, but this is considered an untimely filing. They did provide the lease at that point, but again, all past the time frame and past the time frame for them to provide us this information. So based on this, we're asking that you deny jurisdiction on this bill.
Based on the information provided and testimony contained here in a motion that we deny jurisdiction over case 606, please cast your votes. Motion passes. Case 607 is the next case. Um, you will find the appeal form on page 1290. Um, this owner of record is Demeter Investments. And on page 1291, you will see that it was signed by Austin Glidewell. The owner did not sign it. The agent signed it, again, with Pivotal Tax Solutions. We did receive a timely agent authorization for Lex Las Vegas Demeter Invest and Demeter Investments. Um, but again, uh, Stephen, Steve Clem has signed as the owner's property manager, and you will see that on page 1293, similar to the last one. They also gave us a second agent authorization for Reese Real Estate Investment Company. Again, I don't know the relationship with them and the owner of record, but Steve Clem is saying he's the property manager, and we've got Richard Reese is the manager here. And the person that signs is Steve Clem again on this one. Again, no parcels to identify um, what this is associated with. Um, we sent another email. You can see on page 1296, that's the draft of the email and then the letter that was attached. Again, asking for the connection between uh, Demeter Investments and Pivotal Tax Solutions and or provide a property management agreement showing Again, the person that processed this saying Pivotal Tax Solutions as a manager, we have various people processing these for our office just trying to understand who's filing, but they did not reach out and give us any additional information beyond um, sending us another email, and you will find that on page 1298, dated January 31st. And now we have, again, uh, some additional attachments um, and a new agent authorization showing on page 1299 for Lex Las Vegas Intermediate Investments uh, with Brian May, CFO, signing it. But you can even see that the date that he signed it was January 30th, 2023, now identifying two parcels. So based on this information, um, this is an untimely filing of an agent authorization, and we're asking you to deny jurisdiction. Based on the information provided in testimony contained here in a motion that we deny jurisdiction over case 607, please cast your votes. Motion passes. The next case is 955. It begins on page 3927. You'll find the appeal form on 3928. The owner of record is Beach City Nevada Charity LLC, um, and North Cap Commercial is signing as the name of the petitioner. This one was filed by Chris Glidewell, again with Pivotal Tax Solutions. No owner signed the appeal form. Page 3930 shows the agent authorization um, that North, from North Cap Commercial and Cami Bridge as the commercial management for EVP commercial management or the EV of commercial management. And she's signing as the authorized agent. So she's an agent authorizing an agent um, on this and so we questioned that. We tried to understand her position with Beach City, Nevada Charity. You'll see the Secretary of State's website. Um, and she is the registered agent. So you're going to see that on page 3933. But the registered agent for filing uh, business entities to the Secretary of State does not qualify you as they have the, in the authority to file an appeal. There's lots of companies and various people that do this as a service to people that own businesses, but that has never been considered a proper authorization um, for the purpose of filing an appeal. She is not listed as um, any of the owner of record, and so Cami would have had to have an authorization from the owner to file the appeal. And so we've got an agent authorizing an agent to file an appeal on the behalf of the owner. On page 3935, we have the email that was sent to Pivotal tax, um, and the letter attached to that identifying that the authorized letter did not include sufficient information and to please provide the management agreement authorizing North Cap to file on behalf of the owner. So based on this information, we're asking that you deny jurisdiction. 
we had two nays the last time. Do we need to have any discussion on this? I just want to be clear. Did they um, reply after that? There was no reply. Okay. Thank you. Based on the information provided and testimony contained here in a motion we deny jurisdiction over case 955, please cast your votes. Motion passes. And I would just ask if the board has questions of what we've done or they're concerned about our processes. Um, for those that voted nay, we, I would like it if you would go ahead and put that on the record for us so that we can be better about what we're doing if we're doing something that we need to be doing. So uh, no questions were asked about that, but I would like it, it if you would. <laughs> yeah, well, it just appeared in those other two cases that they did make these take the steps um, as requested by them within the five days and uh, it, it wasn't indicated right away that this is what has to happen. Uh, and so they were taking what they thought were the proper steps within the timely manner. And so to say it's untimely, I, I just, I don't agree with that. Okay. Um, and I get that the appeal form was then dated later, but they were informed that the appeal form wasn't appropriate as of the original date. And then they signed the appeal form as you requested and submitted it. Um, because that's what you asked for. And then you received it and then denied them. So. No, this wasn't a signed appeal form. This was an agent authorization. Sorry, agent yes. authorization. So I, I appreciate that, Mr. Adamo. I just want to mention that if they're giving us a brand new letter of authorization signed by a whole different person, the objection isn't about being able to give us a new authorization. It's about the documentation that they've already filed and giving us sufficient information to back up the documentation that they've already filed. That's what the objection, and I will tell you that Pivotal is very familiar with this situation um, because they were part of the legislation that went forward for us to actually have these objections and give them five days. So they know this all too well. They're very familiar with this. We've been dealing with the same thing with this particular company for many years, um, as well as others. and. When an agent files in the state of Nevada, they need to be familiar with the laws of the state of Nevada. I sent out an email in advance um, of us even of them even filing this year, letting them know with the agent um, authorization and with um, a in the instructions for filing on behalf of an owner, all the things that they needed to be able to do that. And if they were filing a separate authorization and they weren't going to have the owner sign the appeal form, the things that they needed to do. So we have done everything we can to disclose. They're very familiar with this process. They've had others denied in the past because of these same things. And they know they can't produce a whole new authorization after the deadline, which is exactly what they did. They, had, they sent an authorization that was not signed by the appropriate person, and then they gave us a whole new authorization signed by a different person. So the first one was invalid. They didn't answer the objection for the first one. They sent us a brand new one. So I appreciate you saying that because I want to make sure we have clarity on the record with regards to that. The objection isn't about allowing them to send in a whole new authorization, because if, if that was allowed, then now what happens is we have a deadline of the 15th, which now an agent can extend two more days because they can sign the appeal form and get an authorization two days later, 48 hours. Agents actually get more time to file an appeal than a, a regular property owner. Um, and now we're gonna give them five more days to actually then give us a whole new authorization. That, that's not what the law was intended to do. The objection was more, we were telling them that they, we, they needed to give us the backup documentation to prove that the person that signed had the authority to sign. Because many times we do have tenants that sign because they file on behalf of a tenant or um, in this case a property manager signs and then that's fine the property manager can sign but we need to know that they have the authority to sign. so if they provided us the property management agreement in that five-day window no problem we would have been fine if they had provided us the lease agreement within that five-day window no property no problem it would have been fine that's not what they did they actually provided a whole new authorization. And in the case of the earlier ones, they did, they, uh, I think one of them, yeah, it, that was the situation I think for both of those. They did not give us the authorization till later and that was way past the deadline. So that's the difference of what we're trying to do. I know it's confusing, um, but that's the distinction that I want to make sure the board is clear on. And if, again, if that's the, the way you choose to vote based on that information, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure we're clear on the record. Sure, yeah, no, it's just that the way it was presented reading through the documents, um, it looked like each timeline and question was met and the way the county presented their response in the email, 
seemed like they allowed an opportunity to um, to correct any errors that were made, and then they they did, even though it was past the date, um, and then it was turned down. So I understand what you're saying. I don't know the history of Pivotal or uh, these companies. Um, I just I'm just looking at it from this one situation and the way it was presented. Okay. Yeah. The, so they did not give us the information to clear up the objection on the letter of authorization that they had filed. They did not provide that in a timely manner. They did not give us the information we needed to clear up that objection. Event eventually, the, the paperwork was there with the parcel. They gave a brand new authorization. Yeah. So what they gave us was a brand new authorization, not the paperwork to clear up the current authorization. They gave us a brand new authorization. Okay. So yeah. that's what happened in all those instances. Yeah, I, I mean, I just look at it as a benefit of possibly a mistake. Uh, and But you've seen this, and so uh, <laughs> you know better. I'm just looking at it as an individual case. So okay. that, that's the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Why did you say that the they have more time than a resident? The, that the way that the law reads right now, I mean, in, in essence, uh, an agent, <laughs> an owner has to sign the appeal form. But an agent can turn in, can sign the appeal form and turn in an authorization 48 hours later. Okay. That's the way the law states. All right. So. Yes. I don't necessarily agree with that law, but <laughs> I'm just following, I'm just trying to let you know what the law states. All right, thanks. They still have to file the appeal on time. The agent has to file the appeal on time. Do we have any other NOAs? We do, unfortunately. <laughs> so was that, um, what was the last vote that we took? Was that on case 1033? 955. okay. So the next case is 1033. You will find that appeal form on 4408. The owner is Stepco LLC. Again, um, Austin Glidewell, uh, Chris, Christopher Glidewell signed, um, who is an agent with Pivotal Tax Solutions. The agent authorization that was provided was for Lex Las Vegas LP and Demeter Investments, signed by Stephen Clem. Um, this is the same as the one we saw earlier. No parcels indicating what this was associated with and really no connection between that and the owner, Stepco. Um, Reese Real Estate Investments, again, signed by Steve, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, identified Steve Clem as property manager and Richard, Richard Reese as the manager. Um, again, signed by Stephen Clem but uh, no association with the owner of record. And then we have uh, these parcels that were listed. So Stepco is one of the ones listed. Um, however, this was signed by Stephen Clem, a property manager, and we need to have the information showing us that they are the property manager of the company. So you can see the email that was sent out on January 19th, 4416 shows that with the attachment following. Um, And then they have attached, they did attach the author, oh, they, this is just showing when they attached the authorization. I think this one, I'm sorry, I think this one was filed without an agent authorization and then they sent us the agent authorization on the 19th. We actually let them know that the authorization was not included and this is the email where they sent us the authorization on page 4418 on the 19th, so it was timely. And then, we received, you can see the follow-up one on page 4420, Lex Las Vegas, Demeter Investments, Stephen Clem again, and I think in this instance, Stephen Clem signed again, and then they listed these other two properties, um, which again have no relevance to Stepco. Um, and then another follow-up of the same one from Reese Real Estate on page 4424, again signed by Steve Clem, on page 4424 with the parcels associated. So they sent us some of the same information that they had sent us before. Um, we have this email that says, please disregard my previous email. Attached, you will find the correct agent authorization. So they sent it to us twice. Again, still timely with regards to that. Uh, 
and you'll see there's another set of them there on page 4428, just trying to follow the paper trail of things. Um, Lex Las Vegas, again, Demeter Investments, Steve Clem being the manager, he being the one that signed it with the two parcels. And then the other one on 4431 from uh, Reese Real Estate Investments, signed by Steve Clem again, and now we have some additional parcels. And STEPCO is listed there. Um, we did look at the Secretary of State's website for real estate Reese Investments to see if there was anything there associated with STEPCO. There's nothing there. Richard Reese is the President's Secretary. Um, we asked for, we just followed it up again to say, can you give us anything that, because the, again, the letter of authorization was filed timely. So we're not arguing the first letter of authorization, but we're trying to determine the connection between who signed this and real estate investment company or um, the original, uh, sorry, I've got to go back and look at that. There was two of them. Um, or Lex Las Vegas and Demeter Investments. And so, again, we're just trying to reach out again. This is even in addition to the letters that we send where uh, one of our folks reached out and said, would you please be able to show us a connection between Stepco and Reese Real Estate Investments? And we did not receive any follow-up to that. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're doing our best as an office to get to resolve these as much as possible. I mean, I don't really believe it's the responsibility of the assessor's office to make sure that the agent files properly. We are giving them an objection based on the fact that they have sent one in and these are the objections we have, but when they've done this for years, they, they should know how to do it by this point in time. They know what they need. It's very basic. We need a signature from an owner, a signature from a property manager with a property management agreement, or a signature from a tenant with a lease agreement. If you have those things in place, we're good. We can move forward with the appeal. We, the assessor's office is not in the, the business of denying appeals. We don't want to deny appeals. We want them to go forward. We want the owner to be represented. We want them to be able to have their day, to have their case heard. Um, but the agent must file properly. And the reason why we go through this is because we do have, unfortunately, every year, very many agents that do file improperly. Or they'll just, we did back in the downturn years, we had hundreds of appeals filed by various agents throughout the country. And when I say that, I know because I sat in the office reviewing them. And when I say hundreds, I'm talking about piles and piles filling a whole entire office that we had to review where they had no authority to file. They just filed. And when they saw that it wasn't going to go forward, they withdraw, they withdrew them all at the last minute. So this board didn't even get to hear the bulk of them because they end up withdrawing before they ever get to the board because they know they don't have a valid appeal. And so that's why we go through this process because if we did not, what we would have is our appraisers, which is taxpayer dollars, working cases that are invalid, that are, should really no go, go nowhere because they haven't been filed properly and the owner didn't, wasn't even aware that somebody was filing on their behalf. I have had owners call our office and say, who's filing an appeal on my behalf? Because when we do have an appeal that is filed and it moves forward, we do send a, a confirmation letter to the owner of record so that they are familiar with what's going on on their property. So again, the assessor's office isn't about trying to prevent appeals from going forward. We want them, the owner to be heard. We just need the agents to file properly. Sure, and I'm, I'm in this case, looking at the email that was on the 20th, it, it does allow the opportunity to say, hey, please clarify this for me. Yes. And if they did provide something and clarify, then I would say, let's let's review it. That's, that's correct. That's fine. Um, where if it was untimely or you're saying, you're gonna say no either way, uh, that email should say it was improperly filed. It's not valid, period. So closing the window and this, this similar to what uh, what I understand from previous emails, it looked like there was an open window to correct the issue. There, there absolutely was an open window. So I just want to clarify that again for you. There was an open window for the letters of authorization that I, had yeah, been filed. Yeah, I, I, I got so, that. But there wasn't an open window to file a whole new authorization. Sure. That's the difference. So if they had given us the documentation to clarify, that's all. We were asking for the same thing that she was asking for in that email. It was just on a form, more formal letter uh, because we don't want them to have to do these individually. We want them to send them the letter um, so we can start the five days. Okay, you got five days to get that back to us. Please know that. Um, the five days I want you to know Pivotal is very aware of because they were up at the legislature asking for the five days. 
So they know. <laughs> so it, and it wasn't pivotal, but it was, I think, the Glidewells that testified in front of the legislature, and I was there testifying with them. So I'm aware of the situation. So I, I understand, and I just want to make sure that there's the board's clear on, on what we're trying to do here. I have a question. Do you ever notify them, that the owners, when um, you deny jurisdiction because they didn't do it in a timely manner, or do you just notify that you got it? We just we just notified them that we received um, uh, we received um, a filing. That's all. We don't notify them when it's denied. Okay, because in the last time I was here, there was somebody with like 70 cases, and he did them all way too late, and so they were denied. And I always wonder if the owners, if they just go back and tell the owners, oh no, they denied you. And not why? I do, the clerk does issue um, letters to the petitioners, but I think that those go to the agents because they're represented by the agents, and it's the responsibility of the agents to let their owners know right. because that's why they've hired an agent. Right. They hire an attorney because they want the attorney to handle thing, affairs for them. So, okay. um, But I, I, I don't know if the clerk can clarify, but I think that that goes to whoever filed the appeal. Okay. Any other discussion? Based on the information provided and testimony contained here and a motion we deny jurisdiction on case 1033, please cast your votes. That motion passes. The next case is 1034. 1034 is stamped withdrawn. Oh, okay, great. I failed to do that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's good. Uh, case 1162, I believe, is the final one. The appeal form begins on page 4554. It's tent 1500, and Sally Paul, the agent, is signing, or, or actually identifying themselves as the petitioner, and they are the one signing um, on page 4555. They've signed both in the owner section and in the agent section, but they are in fact an agent um, with Delta property tax. And they sent in an agent authorization. And in this instance, um, this is a unique situation um, because they did send a proper authorization to file an appeal. Um, on behalf of Circle K. And so Christine Stange is a tax director with Circle K. You can kind of see in her email there that she works at Circle K. And they are filing for the tenant um, of Tents Huntridge LLC. So valid appeal for Circle K to file um, because they're a tenant. But in this case, there's a difference in um, why they were not able, why this was not proper authorization. They did file appeals on many of the other Circle Ks, um, and if, if the board would like to look at an aerial of that, I don't have one in the materials, but Circle K does not occupy the parcel in its entirety. And to be able to file as a tenant, you must possess or control the parcel in its entirety. And I want to reference where that is in the statute. You have to give me a moment to find it. Oh, I thought I had that one in the record. If you could just give me a moment. Can I go off the record for a moment? Of course. Thank you. For the board's information, parcel numbers 162035130008. This is the southwest corner of Charleston and Maryland Parkway. It's NRS 361. Yes, back on the record. Sorry. May I go back on the record? Of course. 
NRS 361334, um, the term owner includes a person who owns or controls taxable property or possesses it in its entirety. In, in its entirety, taxable property. The term property includes leasehold interest, possessory interest, beneficial interest, or beneficial use of a lessee, or the user of a property which is taxable pursuant to 361.157 or 361.159. So in filing an appeal, um, the owner can be someone who controls the taxable property or possesses it, but it must be in its entirety. And in this instance, they did not possess it in its entirety. This is something that's been upheld. Um, it's one of the things that I did um, speak to the legislature about, and it's why they added in the term entirety, because we had a situation where an Ashley Furniture um, wanted to file an appeal for the whole uh, retail center, and they did not have that um, big box cut out as its own parcel, and they did not have the authority to do that. So they actually added that language into this um, to make sure that we couldn't have someone file an appeal on behalf of a property owner for a whole property unless they leased the whole property in its entirety. Also referencing things like kiosk in malls, um, where somebody's leasing a kiosk in a mall, they don't get to a file an appeal for the whole entire mall. So these were some examples that were put before the legislature. So based on this information, unfortunately, um, I'm asking that you deny jurisdiction on this appeal. Any discussion from the board? Based on the information provided in testimony contained here, and I motion we deny jurisdiction over case 1162. Please cast your vote. Motion passes. There's two cases here um, that are also NOAs, but they have been withdrawn. And that would be case uh, 960 and 15. I think they're the next ones. Uh, so case 15 has been withdrawn. And case 960 has also been withdrawn. And then I'm going to ask Tamika, do we have any other additional withdrawals for today? No. Oh, okay, very good. Okay, so there's really no point in going over procedural rules if there's nobody here to appeal, correct? If there's no petitioners uh, here, uh, I guess you can choose to skip that part. Anybody object from nobody in, okay. Uh, uh, general administrative business? Just those two um, withdrawals, there's no additional withdrawals. Um, once we get to discussing for possible action, the petitions for review, I know we do not have any petitioners present, but we do want to call three cases, case 628, 963, and 964. Um, these were issues with our addendum book. Um, so, some things uh, happened where they didn't get the materials into the addendum files, and so we want to go ahead and at least read those into the record and submit that information to the clerk so that in case they file to the state, we do have that information available. All right, we're calling case 628. Uh, good morning, board members. Uh, case, 62, case 628 uh, begins on page 1377 of the master book. The subject is a 2.06 net acre vacant parcel with uh, probable commercial land use located in the Southwest commercial submarket near Jones and the 215. Uh, it was purchased in uh, February of 2016 for $1,150,000. The assessor recommends holding taxable value at $1,400,000 based on the market sales. Um, again, this case uh, was published in the master book, but additional information was given to the assessor after the master book was published, typically that goes into an addendum file. In this is instance, we had some tec technical difficulties, and so we just printed up 10 copies to hand out. And there's no petitioner present? So 
based on information provided and testimony came, contained herein, I motion that uh, uh, the assessor's value does not exceed market, or for fair, full cash value. Do I have a second? Oh, no second required. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Case uh, 963. Good morning, Cindy Robena with the Clark County Assessor's Office. The case starts on page 963 of the master book. Can I'm you sorry. speak closer to the microphone, please? Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Case starts on page 4070 4, of the master book. The subject property is a vacant 0.56 net acre parcel located near the intersection of Eastern and Tropicana. The parcel is zoned C2. It's paved with asphalt and is being used as a parking lot in the Tropicana East Shopping Center. Um, based on our comparables, we're recommending no change to the taxable value of $137,510. As there's no petitioner present, I motion that the assessor's value does not exceed full cash value on uh, case number 963. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Case 964. Cindy Robena with the Clark County Assessor's Office. Um, case 964 starts on page 4105 of the master book. The subject property is a vacant 0.76 net acre parcel located east of Eastern and north of Tropicana and is zoned C2. The parcel is off Tropicana behind another business with an easement for access. Based on the comparable sales, the assessor's office recommends no change to the taxable value of 165528 And there is no petitioner present, so I'll make a motion that the Assessor's value does not exceed full cash value for case 964. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. So those were the three we had. Yes, that would be all. And so if there are no petitioners, um, we would ask that you take a vote on all of the remaining cases that are on the agenda. Um, that including those that have been stipulated and withdrawn. I motion to accept the assessor's recommendations on any cases where the petitioners did not attend this hearing and those that have been stamped stipulated or withdrawn. Please cast your votes. Motion passes. Microphone is open for any public comment from nobody in the <laughs> in the chamber. Uh, I will close the microphone. Any other business, Ms. Widener? Um, just to tell you that on the 23rd, we have 100 oh. and... Sorry. I apologize. Please state your name and address for the record. Uh, Jeff Bonesteel, 318 Templeton Drive. Um, as a taxpayer in Clark County, I find the actions of the property owners and more so the actions of the tax agents who file multiple appeals, have next to no communication with the assessor's office, and then don't show up for a meeting solely set up and designed to address their concerns about overvaluation by the assessor's office, 100% unacceptable. The gross waste of taxpayer dollars is evident by the creation of over 4,000 pages of value defense by the assessor's office and untold assessor's hours. It's time for the state legislatures to follow precedent set forth in multiple states to charge a nominal fee to file an appeal for a non-residential property. I would also like to thank this board for their time and service to this community. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just for open discussion, is there, what would we need to support in order to have something like that? Well, the assessor, it's difficult because the central assessor typically takes a neutral position on most things unless they directly affect, we want to defend things for the taxpayer. We never want to prevent taxpayers from being able to do their due diligence and be able to file appeals. 
Um, but there are other states that do require that agents have to actually register and pay a fee um, to be able to file appeals in their states. Um, maybe it'd be a different type of administrative process, um, which would be done at the state level. It wouldn't be done at the county's level. Um, there has been suggestions about that in the past, but I'm not gonna tell you that that's coming from the assessor directly. Um, so I, I can't give you any kind of direction on that um, beyond just stating that it is an issue. Um, and th again, this is why <laughs> we go through this. I mean, you can imagine just the hours spent on the defense of just the no notice of appearance and all the correspondence back and forth and back and forth when just send in the information with what you need to send in so we don't have to go through this. So, and then also filing, some of these appeals are just filed and they just wanna see if, some, if they're gonna get something. They don't provide us any information. They just see, we're gonna review it and see if we're gonna offer a reduction and then when no reduction's in order, you can see the number of withdrawals are on here. And given our current market, you know, we, we're, we try to be really um, diligent in making sure we have not exceeded full cash value. We, are, we, we don't sit here and try to fight cases that we don't think um, have a valid reason for re getting a reduction. So you, I think you've seen that through the years that our appraisers, very few cases have come forward with the exception of the downturn years because nobody knew, right? We didn't know. Um, but we try our best um, during that time, even during that time to be very proactive and address the cases and our, and our appraisers do a fabulous job. I will actually speak out for that and let them know that um, I appreciate and I know the assessor appreciates all their due diligence and their patience and um, because behind every tax rep is an owner and that's what we really think about. But um, owners can file appeals too. They don't have to have a tax rep. <laughs> that's why I asked my question because I think it, the owners are not aware that they're being badly represented when they think that they've, and they think the assessor probably just denied them. I, I, don't, I don't believe the tax appeal company goes back and says, oh, we, we, we botched it again for all of you. I think they just say, no, it was denied. No, you didn't get it lowered. Yeah. And that's why I think that it's a disservice to the owner too. And who would, who would make that kind of recommendation to register and pay a fee? Would it be the county commission or would it be the state? Or This would be something that would have to be put forth in legislation. So you'd have to have a sponsor, a yeah, somebody to sponsor it in the assembly or, or in the Senate um, to sponsor a bill that would address these issues. Great, thanks. Okay. Now, obviously there's nothing that we as the board can do, um, but obviously I'm in agreement with everything that was said. Thing. I just want to say that you could support us as a board. Um, you could actually write a letter in support in support of something like that. Um, you could you could address it to the state board. You could address it to the state um, in support of the assessors based on your knowledge and experience of what you've seen. Um, because many of you have been on this board for a long time and you've seen these kind of things come forward. Um, so, well, it, it might cure some of the. Uh, property owners that are being charged a flat fee to appeal when there's no benefit. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I can't say if that's happening, but you know, given the, I mean, this is the agenda for today and there's nobody here and I'm doing this for the video, right? There's nobody here. And I think it's an absolute waste of taxpayer dollars to let alone the stress on the staff of the assessor's office that's, that's underworked or overworked and understaffed without question. So um, I, I honestly, I'd be okay with, with presenting something for the state, at least on the, I can't speak to the residential panel, but, but for the commercial panel, I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. Um, and, and it can be nominal, 25 bucks, whatever, something like that, just to, just to keep them from, from filing for the sake of filing. Yeah, the, the, the residential, most of the time we don't have agents on those hearing days. There's, or those are individual property owners that are just filing. And, uh, but even there, you know, it, the market is what it is. And so um, I think that's the whole issue that we're at. We, we, it's been a decent market and yeah, we're starting to see some things change and we don't know what next year holds. But, you know, even with that, even with that, the assessor is gonna continue to be um, proactive and we, we always look at our record every year. So we, we value it based on the way that NRS 361227 requires us to do so, which is the market value plus the replacement cost. Um, but after we do that, 
we still run it through a second um, ratio study and analysis to determine if we've exceeded full cash value. And if we have, we will make further adjustments to the record. And we do that every year, and we have done that. And we'll continue to do that. Um, there's not as many that get adjusted when we're in one of a, mar a market like this. But, um, you know, it, it's we're doing everything we can to make sure that we are being fair and equitable to the taxpayer. So um, that's why you're sitting here with so many withdrawals because there's not much more we can do, but we still have to go through the exercise of doing property, more property specific analysis on every single one that appeals versus our mass analysis that we do on our initial valuation. And to the discussion on the residential panels, I've sat on several, I know Tammy sits on several as well. You don't see, as much of the abuse. You no. do see some ridiculous stuff, don't get me wrong, but you don't see as, as much of, of this that, that you know, I, is, is a waste of all of our time. Um, is there any other business? Um, the only other business is to let you know the remaining cases for the 23rd, there's 103 cases, and on the 27th we have 166. We do have one more NOA that I was not able to get scheduled for this hearing day um, on the 23rd, I believe it's a late filing. Um, we are leaving the 28th open only in case there's some issues with noticing or anything like that that we will potentially need that day for, but most likely we will cancel that day once we get through the 23rd. Great. Thank you for your time. Meeting's adjourned.